The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. Welcome to Is There Kale in My Teeth, the podcast. I'm your host, Rifki Rubinowitz, an interior design train, lifestyle, and wellness expert, mom to three girls, and editor of Mishpacha's Family Room magazine. On each podcast episode, you will meet incredible women who have empowering, entertaining, and educational messages to share with me and with you. Stick around. It's wild and it's raw, just the way we like it. Welcome to Kaylin My Teeth. For any of your followers who are finding me here, my name is Rifki Rabinowitz. I've been doing this for about three years. These weekly live-to-podcast episodes featuring empowering women, describing their market niche. I am in lifestyle and wellness. I am trained in interior design. And I love that I have the opportunity to kind of combine all of those passions and meet women whose passions are parallel to that. So if anybody is either living under a rock or somehow doesn't follow you, they should. Please introduce yourself to us. I'm Alana Molstein. I'm a registered dietitian and nutritionist. I'm a mother of three. I'm highly well known for losing 100 pounds and keeping it off through all these kids and stresses of life and really turning my weight loss approach into a book and a program that is now helped, thankfully, and being used by over 300,000 people. And it's just really exciting on a day-to-day basis. My approach to weight loss and nutrition is very flexible, is very simple, and it's very sustainable. And that's my whole thing. Everything I ever say, it has to be simple, sensible, and sustainable, which is why I would never tell everyone, like, you have to breastfeed exclusively or anything like that, because if that's not, like, possible um, or in some way able to be customized to someone's lifestyle, like, I don't want to say it, because I really recognize everyone's different, and every day is different, and every craving is different, and, you know, every season is different. It just, like, goes on and on and on, and everyone needs to always know, like, I am, like, the most not type A person ever. Um, I'm not a meal prepper. I'm not a perfectionist, and I find way to kind of, like, live in chaos and still see progress in nutrition and weight loss, and I want everyone to see that they could do so as well. I love that. And I also love how you create these catchphrases or acronyms for like your um, foundational concepts that people can just like mutter to themselves. You know, I was reading your post about having food in the house for your kids and you're, um, you're like casually throwing in Usu. I'm like, duh, Usu, you know? Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. My whole uh, to be mindset, which is my weight loss program, the whole water bottle is some mm-hmm. up of my catchphrases that people That's call great. Alana-isms. Um, so it's, I really smart. I love marketing and I feel like from a young age, I was marketed all the wrong thoughts around food, like all you can eat and like buy one, get one free. And I was a hundred pounds heavier, but also like my dad always said, like, what's better than food, free food. Like, I feel like I always had these catchphrases that were steering me in the wrong place. And right now it's only gotten like worse. Like you're hangry, grab a Snickers. Like you have a breakup, your PMS, grab Dove Bliss chocolate. Like I just feel like the marketing is so bad and I'm kind of like a creative whimsical person as it is. So I kind of figured out all these little catchphrases that actually serve us like better in the trash than in your body. And like when it comes to eating your kids 
leftover chicken nuggets and things like that, that really helped me in my head and have thankfully helped others. And it's always interesting to hear like when someone tells me they lost 60 pounds with me and my program, whatever it is, like which catchphrases touch them the most because some people it's dinner and done and it's just for everyone. It's, it's different. Yeah is interesting no it's so true I'll be things that stick out and I'm like there's like the sense of humor to it a little bit which kind of like takes it away from taking it too seriously but your like umbrellas just from my perspective which is the nutrition which is what I want to focus most of the conversation tonight on but as well like you said the marketing the building a business as a working mom and then the building yourself up on social media I mean I know we're watching this on Instagram but forever doesn't know you have a massive community on TikTok yeah one and a half million on TikTok that's what I'm saying. So it's like, and obviously this was a new TikTok relationship because it was new for everybody. So like the fact that you figured out the niche there. And so obviously I want to talk about that as well, but I'd like to start with nutrition. So crazy what we accomplished in a day, by the way, like good for you. Thanks. <laughs> so my philosophy and methodology is like recovering. I don't want to say diet culture because I don't want to just put it under one tax raise, but my actual own personal journey has always been driven by my love for fitness. And, you know, when I wasn't fueling properly, I would come back from these super long runs and eat like a tray of brownies because I was famished, wasn't allowing myself. So there was a lot of that restriction. Um, and then it kind of segued into discovering a naturopathic way of life, but becoming, again, I'm thinking of words that will put this under an umbrella, but becoming a little bit too rigid and therefore which led to enabling some toxic behaviors so that was about five years ago where I have organically found myself right now is at this apex of you know taking the good from what I used to know and the foundations and the tenets of that while at the same time prioritizing my mental health and emotional health on the same I guess plane and that's what I do with every private client so Right now, I'm currently not taking on new private clients, but private practice has always been like my mainstay. I've taught weight loss seminars at UCLA. I still always have private clients and so forth. So I love my private clients. It's like in those one-on-one -on -one private, completely confidential sessions that literally spurs, you know, I could get really layers deep into a psyche. And thankfully, I've had thousands of clients of all different demographics. So it's really having like these one-on-one -on -one confidential sessions with all different demographics and socioeconomic statuses and cultures and all that stuff that allowed me to really get to like, you know, my whole list of emotional eating A through Z. That's like more than my emotional eating tendencies, but like a list of 30 or whatever it is. So when I always have a private session, I always make people go back. Like, tell me your experience on Weight Watchers. I want to know your experience on a cleanse. And people are always like, no, that was fast. It was quick. Like, I don't need to talk about my experience on that. I'm always like, no, there's always some good. Like, even if you did this extreme cleanse that was like three things you ate for four weeks. First of all, I love to hear that because I can never do that. So when a client tells me that they were able to pull off one of those crazy cleanses, I'm like, whoa, like your discipline is intense because like I, I don't have the patience to ever have pulled any of that off for more than a day. So it tells me a lot about the personality, but there's always mm -hmm. some good you can take from anything. So people are always like, trash this diet and trash that. It's like, Every experience is different. Like even intermittent fasting, like I don't promote it. Generally speaking, for some people it works, for some it doesn't. But like some people, their first opportunity passing a buffet and not eating. And while it might not work on a monthly basis or a daily basis or whatever for that person, like 
it still might build some discipline muscle within them that they didn't know they had. So I think it's important to, you know, kind of take like a historic view of your experience with food because it's a relationship we've had since day one. Exactly. And so that's why I feel like we're all the sum of our own experiences, education and surroundings. So part of why I was even telling you my background and my evolution in 20 seconds or less, it's to say that let's say my personal, you know, business mindset and my personal Instagram page, we never talk about dieting. We never talk about that kind of thing because I'm in that healing phase. And so the community that I've curated responds well to that. Having said that, as you said, I do believe that there are benefits and things to learn for people who were alike and for mindsets that are different. And it is in the mindsets that were different that we can exactly learn what speaks to us and what doesn't. So this is all to lead up to my first question, which is, what is your nutrition ethos? How can you synthesize, you know, diet and weight loss while staying away from toxic diet culture tropes? Okay, so my four words that I have a trademark and I believe will curb the whole obesity and health crisis are water first, veggies most. It's not a weight loss only thing. It's literally like diet culture thing, like an everything thing. We always think we're starving. Everyone always rushes into quick snacks and processed foods and their, you know, food delivery apps and all these things. And like, if you just start drinking water first and find a way to eat veggies most, you'll find that as a common denominator in Every, like, even Dr. Sarah Gottfried, who's, like, a hormone specialist, she just came out with, like, eat for your hormones. Like, not even for weight loss, but eat for your hormones. It's water first, veggies most. Like, if you look at the blue zones, like, the cultures around the world where people live the longest and the healthiest, it's water first, veggies most. So water first, veggies most, that's why I felt the need to coin it and trademark it and all those things because it's a forever thing. It's, like, you could be paleo, you could be keto, you could do any sort of diet. It's always going to come down to more water, more weight loss, more veggies, more weight loss. It's good for your health. It's good for your gut. It's good for your brain health. Like any sort of specialist in any health is going to tell you water and veggies are premier. So I always like to focus on what are the things that are most sustainable that have been around for a hundred years and people just want to go around it, but it's like all that's ever going to come out in the future as well. So what are first veggies most when it comes to avoiding diet culture or that segment of your question? Never focus on what you're taking out. I've had everyone in the world tell me that they... We're on a diet that said no bread, no bread, no bread. Our brain is not that sophisticated. It hears no bread, no bread. All it really gets all day, the takeaway is bread, 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 bread. So I never within my whole book, within my whole weight loss program, which is 40 videos, you'll never hear the word no. You'll never hear a restriction of any sort. There's one thing I really want to refilm because I never say no in any way. But the way it's kind of positioned, it makes people think like, I get if you're coming from a really toxic background, like you can magnetize yourself to like the one thing that kind of represents. And I want to refilm it because it's like all anyone focuses on from everything is like, oh, but I'm so deprived because you mentioned X, Y, and Z, which is just silly. Cause like, if you actually understood me and certainly if you were with me privately, you would know that that's like a flexible principle completely. So it's never focus on what not to have, never focus on a don't list, which is why you probably had some of that continue on when you saw that holistic practitioner or whatever, because holistic practitioners and acupuncturists and facialists like love to throw people a quick little thing that says no dairy, no gluten, yada, 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 and all your skin will be healed. And that is complete and total not true um, for as a general rule at all. Yeah, no, I mean, what happened was I was going through a phase um, clearly hormonally driven. I mean, like proven through blood tests of, hormonal breakouts and so I also knew that my body was trying to give me a message 
So instead of shoving it down with spironolactone and all of these band-aid kind of treatments that people are doing now, which is totally fine, it's just not my approach, I went to this naturopath. And within two weeks of following her protocol, my skin was beautiful. And it was almost like, in a certain regard, retroactively depressing because I had been fighting this uphill battle for so many months and I'm like, holy cow. And it's great when people see those results. I'm not like knocking that, but at the same time, like I think people think that like some things will be such, make such a difference and then sometimes they don't. And then there are all these other issues that occur. That's exactly it. Like once she started demonizing and villainizing pineapple and mango, and suddenly I was like the holy grail or apple, pears and berries. I'm like, I am not going into this murky zone where certain fruit feel like drugs because they're not that bad. And it was kind of like alarm bells went off. And even though I completely stand by a lot of the principles she taught me and that I still integrate into my daily life, I realized for someone like me that has proclivities for dipping into toxic diet behaviors, that was not a match for me. And so that was it. Now, I want to dial it back for a second because I know your origin story. I'm jumping right in. But for anybody who's watching that maybe doesn't know your origin story, how did you get into this? Uh, Yeah, sure. So I grew up on the Upper West Side in Manhattan, and I used to walk to school by myself. My parents got divorced at a really young age, so we really raised ourselves um, in a very big way. Being a kid from Manhattan, divorced parents, it was like, uh, my sister likes to say we were raised by wolves. I I like to see it a little (laughs) differently. I'm very, you know, close with my parents. And you know, I look at it as a gift um, of my upbringing. No one ever told me, like, asked me if I have homework or anything. We just had, like, no supervision whatsoever. So I used to walk myself to school. I would pick up a Snickers ice cream bar, even if it was snowing. And that was my breakfast. At night, I was probably lonely. I was probably sad, probably emotional, that there was just, like, a very chaotic upbringing. We moved, like, 15 times. So food was my staple. I would just eat in front of the television all night watching Nickelodeon. Um, I would go through bowls and bowls and bowls of cereal. I was a volume eater, didn't even realize it, but I would like eat a whole challah that was reserved for my entire family. And yeah, I just, it, it was crazy. Like a whole jar of peanut butter without even paying attention. And I would just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And when I was eight years old, my doctor actually said like, I have to go to weight loss camp. I have to go to Camp Shane. It's a famous weight loss camp in upstate New York. And I had before and after pictures. I had to weigh in and measure and literally was at that camp at eight years old for nine weeks. And I lost weight and it was great. My family, my life, nothing changed. So it was a little band-aid. And I actually gained more weight in the school year than I had lost in summer. And so I had to return to camp. And this just became like a pattern. It was like my parents wouldn't have to face it or deal with me or change their ways because I would just, you know, rely on going to weight loss camp every summer. I would tell my friends it was sports camp and that's why they didn't see me for two months every summer. And it was just like this band-aid hamster wheel that I kept riding and I kept gaining more weight every school year because you can gain a lot more in 10 months and you can lose in two. And then I peaked at around 13 years old. I was 215 pounds. I was only five one, five two inches tall. I was wearing a size 20, which like Gap.com and OldNavy.com just released. It was definitely not available in stores. Now they're size like 26. 20 was like the highest size at the time. And that was like a, a trigger point for me, I guess. Like I was like, that was one of the points of like, how could I continue? Um, and that summer at weight loss camp going into high school is when I kind of just like real like just fed up like I had been in weight loss camp for so many years I'd done the yo-yo thing for so long 
I was so depressed and unhappy in my body. And I kept blaming my genes and my parents and my lack of resources and support. And finally that summer, even at 13 years old, I just took complete ownership. And I was like, no one's going to do this for me. There's never going to be a magic pill. There's never going to be a magic week. There's never going to be a magic formula. Like I just have to put in the work because I'm like really unhappy just sitting back and complaining. And that's when I just shifted my whole headspace from being someone who is a problem stater. Like I have no confidence. I have no boyfriend. I have all these stretch marks to someone who is a problem solver. Like, how can I figure this out? How can I make it work as a volume meter? How can I make it work as someone who doesn't have resources, who doesn't have time, who definitely doesn't have a chef degree? And I did. And thankfully, because I'm a New Yorker and I'm a little savvy and creative in the kitchen and so forth. I was able to kind of piece together this unique framework for losing weight that thankfully has translated into helping so many other people too, which is just this amazing silver lining. Holy, first of all, like cheers to your ingenuity, self-sufficiency, independence, hustle, consistency. But it's also like credibility had to be there too. And I felt really like I felt very inclined, even though I wasn't a student at all in any way, like I had to become a registered dietitian. I really looked up like what's the utmost highest credibility in the nutrition space. So I was to become a registered dietitian. I saw that it would take chemistry and organic chemistry and biochemistry, which are all classes like I slept through at best. And then I got my master's in it because I knew if I was actually going to turn this into a career, which I really thought would be like amazing. I would want to not just hang on, you know, my own weight loss. I wanted it to be more well-rounded and credible than that. There are so many comments from people saying how your program changed their life. And I'm sure this is a awesome of the messages you get. It's just so incredible. How do you educate yourself at 13? Uh, so I definitely, I have tools within my program. I love the scale. I'm a big fan of the scale. I know a lot of people say like, I hate the scale. It's so toxic. It's really toxic if you're using it incorrectly. So I'll be the first one to say using the scale, if you're not doing my approach and how I outline it can be extremely toxic. If you are, you know, eating, like if you are going on the scale and it's going up and it's making you depressed and you feel like you're starving yourself, like it's only going to be bad. It's not going to be good. On my program, the relationship with the scale completely switches because you see like the more you eat, are usually the days that you're losing more weight, um, which makes people like love it and use it as a tool. So for me, I was like, I could listen to people all day saying, just eat grapefruit or just eat in these hours and those hours. But if it's not translating into results, like why listen to it? And I'm the type of person who are like, I love to be inspired by other people, but I need to, I, I would never just like listen to someone and like in a blind set of beliefs. You know, I, I think it's really fascinating when people try to like do these like cleanses things like that and aren't even using it you know they're going on it once a week and then they're yeah, like how yeah. come it didn't see a bigger response like so that really was a big help for me the same thing goes with parenting like same thing as how i approach weight loss and how i literally continue to tell others like i can give you all the guidelines and i've thankfully worked with like amazing people like beach body production team and i had test groups and i've had so many clients like i've been able to test out this method and test it out and find a way to scale it like really i think in a way that completely surpasses what I ever expected of it and like you know there are people who've lost over 100 pounds I've never even met them so just like it really blows my mind at how amazing it like we all were able to craft this into a scalable program which is my dream because I want to make that big of an impact but at the same time like I always tell people like I could lay out the guidelines but you're going to continue to struggle and be stuck if you're not putting in the work too like I can only do 49 percent like you have to meet me 51 percent halfway which involves 
tracking and like really diving into my content. Like I'll have to tell you, like the people, it sounds so pathetic to say, but the people who really lose so much weight, like they're not just watching my videos, but they really like are part of the community. They're, they listen to my book on audio and have read it. Like we're trying to really rewrite a whole way of thinking around food and behavior. So the more you dive in and actually put in the practice, the more successful everyone will be. So yes, like I'm a believer of the scale, but I have all these other tools to help someone individualize the program because it's not one size fits all at all. It has to be done practically. And when people think it's one size fits all is when they message me like, I'm doing everything right. How come I'm not losing weight? And there, there's literally not one right way to do the program. You have to try track and see at the end of the day, because everyone's different. So you can't say like, you're doing it exactly right. You could be using a different size plate. You could be like having, you know, nut butter as what I call like an accessory versus salsa. Like you could, mm -hmm. it's just like, there's so many ways to go about it. That's why I always say it takes more effort than being on a cleanse. Cause a cleanse is very easy. Like the second you get a list of yes foods and no foods, it's very easy. Like you just follow it. But then it becomes so hard and almost impossible to sustain. I don't think almost, it is impossible to sustain. Yeah, so my program is like the opposite because you have to be really intuitive and you have to really like drive up that mindfulness and the self-awareness and actually like face the foods and like almost like your food demons and your unhealthy habits right in the face, which is like not fun for me as well when I have to you know track down that I ate my kids leftover fish sticks and all that stuff like it's never fun but it's a lot more real and raw and productive than hiding behind macros and points and colors and all that stuff um so while it takes more effort in the beginning it's one of those things that become effortless because you're really just like peeling back the onion on your habits you're creating new ones and then they're all sustainable so it's like so I, um, worth it i heard this um from my friend kate lemire and anybody who's been watching a few kale and my teeth you've heard me say this just readjusting here um you've heard me say this before but it is credit to her and this is actually something i learned from taking her course her course focuses on it's more fitness based it touches on nutrition but what I love about her is she's so evidence-based that she'll like talk about something like a scale and say like, it's just a way to record. It, you know, she, she dilutes the emotion from a lot of things and then you're left with so many facts that can enable you to make strong and informed decisions. One of her techniques, which I even use with my children, is ask yourself why five times. Like, I don't want to go to this event. Why? Cause I'm tired or sorry, like, uh, why? Cause I want to make small talk. Why? And then like, you'll, you'll yield a result you didn't expect to come to. And like the, the fifth, why could be like, because I don't feel good in my skin and I know people are expecting me to look good. And right. like, you'll surprise yourself with what you come up with. What's interesting is, you know, we had like 40 years of personal trainers telling everyone to stop looking at the scale, stop looking at the scale. And they were really front facing on it because muscle and inches and like, I understand their perspective, but the problem is like over the years and over those sentiments, our obesity epidemic has only gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. I do a lot of published research on the scale and the benefits of it. I'm written up in the journal of obesity on it. Like there's such good research on it as just a tool, but I think like we've been told like that it's so toxic and to avoid it and all this stuff that we've like demonized it that when I, recommend it to people it's literally like I'm telling people to like worship Satan like it's so so intense the reaction and um the why 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 is helpful in that because it's usually all comes back to a really toxic time in their life that they were eating less and less and less every day to try to manipulate the scale to go down 
and it wasn't working. And so it's really hard to like, I feel bad because if that's the case, I wouldn't want to do it either. But then it's really interesting when I talk to people who are really successful in my program, they always tell me, and as a client, I always say the more they eat, water first, veggies most, the lean proteins, it's usually the times that they're losing me and the times where they're skipping breakfast and skipping lunch and then just snacking on like popcorn and chips and chocolate, like a handful of chocolate chips and being guilty all night about it is when they gain. And that's really like eye-opening for a lot of people and helps them shift the mindset. But you have to be open-minded, of course. And I always recommend it as a program to not help cure eating disorders or anything like that. You know, it, it's I'd say it's for like the general person. Um, but of course, if there's like real negativity and toxic backgrounds, like I don't claim that it's necessarily well, for everyone. I think you really, again, like what you said, it's not one size fits all. And I think you really have to know what season you're in. Again, I can only speak to my personal experience. I am still in a regenerating, recalibrating, redefining healing season. In the process of doing that, I'm figuring out how to synthesize my love with fitness, which veers into obsession and disregarding all the other facets of what are important to me my obsession with my career and understanding that these are all part of like what makes me me and then understanding that if i am prioritizing my career i am deprioritizing fitness right now and i am not willing to break through my previous associations with the negative elements of a scale that might mean that i am a bigger size that might mean that i've put on weight but it's this if that's the season that i choose to be and i'm making an informed decision to accept that honor that and if i want to change that not blame anyone but understand that this is the informed decision now this is my informed um new avenue and that's the coolest part about like being a mother of three you know i think like obviously this doesn't pertain to everyone listening but like we have seen our bodies morph so many times and it's so clear as you get older that like your decisions and your priorities impact your results so whether that's like taking that time to only focus on your career or put all, pull all-nighters for something and like see it pay off you know so, so, like there's a lot of lines that say like you kind of have to be a little obsessed to be successful everyone's like oh, i don't want to be obsessive i don't want to be obsessive but it's like if you looked at any super successful person they had a lot of points where people were accusing them of obsessiveness um with those things because it's hyper focusedness whatever but i totally agree yeah. you know i got into a big running stage before i got pregnant and the scale was like not my friend like it was not helpful and i was running further distances than ever in my life i ran five miles which I had never done like running five straight miles in an hour I was so like over the moon that it didn't bother me the inches and all these things so I totally agree it's like it really comes down to what you care about what what matters most to you where your belief system is and, and so allowing forth. them to coexist like you know a couple years ago I was maybe the fittest I'd ever been I was PRing every lift I was on par with like the best athletes in Toronto this is not a flex it's actually factual and I felt amazing. I was, I was on fire. I was energetic. I was naturally on pre-workout. What happened was because the gym that I like to be in was far from my home, I would end up working there after my class or I would end up planning meetings in that area. Organically, what developed was I was rushing home right before carpool. Mentally, I was still in workout, um, hanging out with single people and work mode. So I wasn't my kids felt like chatter in the back of my car, even though I was present with them physically. Whereas now I am a little bit less fit. My workouts are not as long, nor are they as savage. 
I'm a little bit more homeostatic, I'm less frenetic, but I'm really around a lot for them. I think it's really important because these years are so precious. And one of my favorite populations to work with are women like post-menopause when kids are out of the house because that's a great time. There's no period, like the hormones are really stable. And sometimes I get those women in like literally the best shape of their lives. So yeah, it's I, yeah. I, I'm totally with you on that. You know, I think it's also important not to villainize any period. Like you were saying, I recognize, I miss, and I admire the fit version of Rifki from two years ago. I kind of miss her. I do. And that's okay. This is the season that with knowledge and with intention, I am choosing. And that's it. Let's talk a little bit about misconceptions in nutrition. Misconceptions in nutrition. I'd say, you know, it's like all the things that no one wants to hear. I'd say like one misconception, the biggest misconception I see people make who really want to lose weight is uh, that healthy is not the same as healthy for weight loss. So this is like huge. Um, I was just looking at a pretzel company that like wants to work with me. I always call pretzels white bread with better PR. I don't know why they're any different than stale white bread. So they're just not. And But there's something about pretzels that makes people think it sounds better. It's almost like a muffin. Sounds much healthier than like a cookie. But it's literally like cake. If anything, if you look at a muffin recipe, there's like sometimes way more fat than a regular cake. So anyway, um, healthy is not the same as healthy for weight loss. I like went really viral, like over 5 million views on TikTok. If you go to Nutrition Babe, it's pinned to the top on like examples of that. These pretzels I just saw like are made of a different kind of flour, but there's still no fiber in it. So it doesn't really change anything. Like it might make them gluten-free, but it doesn't necessarily going to help you with weight loss. Um, And the examples on that are like acai bowls and uh, like nut butters and dates. Oatmeals, loaded up oatmeals. Yeah, and just like the list goes on and on. Chia puddings that are just not balanced in any way and so forth. Uh, Maple syrup on everything, date syrup on everything, agave on everything. Like it just goes on and on. Keto fat bombs, like it's just, that's probably like the biggest nutrition myth. Um, It's just like every new product does not mean it's healthier. You really like have to look at a food label. I see get people wrong all the time. And one of the reasons why people say like they're doing my program perfectly, why aren't they losing weight? It's probably because they're not like, just listening to my advice, they're fusing it with mm-hmm. a juice bar near them or a friend who gave them some sort of dessert that's healthier that they're eating because that throws so many people off. And it's such a shame because those are the people I my heart goes out to the most because their intentions are so there and they're just being like duped. So I feel like that's a big myth. I appreciate you being on. You literally have your hands full. No, honestly, it's a pleasure and honor. I could chat with you for hours. Likewise, maybe we could do it a second. <laughs> second. Yeah, part two, for sure. Absolutely. I, you're exactly the kind of guest I love having because I feel like I'm learning something. I'm talking about something that I and my community really loves chatting about. And I'm totally intellectually stimulated. So thank you. And I also just want to recognize everyone here on this chat. Like, thank you so much for all your amazing comments. I They're like lighting up my life. I really appreciate it's, it. And you have such, I can always see based on who comes on, how dedicated and engaged their community is. And it's so fun to host somebody where like their people are just so excited and show up for oh, them. Thank you. So because this will be on podcast forums within the month, I would love if you could tell us where we can find you next and currently. Yes, I'm Nutrition Babe on TikTok, Alana Molstein. RD on Instagram and um, Alana Molstein or nutritionbabe.com. They go to the same place. Amazing. Thank you for being on. You are wonderful. Thank you. 
This Good is night. very, very, very fun. Gideon is saying goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, honey. And that's all for today, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Listen, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love if you subscribed. And if you're really next level vibing, leave me a positive review so we can keep this circle of positivity going. Of course, you can find our guest's information in the show notes and find more of me on my Instagram and website at Rifki Rabinowitz and RifkiRabinowitz.com. Have a good one, okay? Stay cool.